This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Real EFL, EFL's sorry, League 2 Look Back. I am your host this week. Obviously, as you can tell, I can't speak. That's that Christmas cheer coming through. I'm your host, Matt, and with me uh, is Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing this week? I am very well, thank you. Um, a little bit frail, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, Christmas, Christmas due last night after the football and God, I am very much still feeling it now, but it doesn't matter because I've had a chance to go back and watch a load of the League 2 action from yesterday, and I can't wait to dive straight into it. Yeah, well, we will get straight into it with our game of the day, and this was the game between Gillingham and Bradford yesterday. Now, Bradford City had came in uh, came into this match against Gillingham, having lost just one of their last eight league matches against them, winning two of their last three on the road against the Jules. And Gillingham, who are looking strong under Stephen Clements at home, beat League One Charlton last time out in their last home match, and are looking to continue their strong home form. And with our game of the day, and it of course being generous jewels we went ahead and let bradford win 2-0 charlie uh first off did you watch it did you see the goals from jamie walker and andy cook i certainly did i mean first of all yes um you know i think a lot of people would have maybe expected you guys to be able to get a little bit of a better result but it obviously certainly was not to be the case i mean andy cook's free kick by the way that was just incredible. You know, I, why was there not a player lying down underneath the wall? It's surrendered. <laughs> um, no, it you know, I've yeah. got to say uh, that that free kick. Yeah. First off, um, nine times out of 10, whenever you see a player lay down behind the wall, you just think, what are you doing? What are you idiot? Yeah. You're not, he's not going to be there for any reason. Had Jules have done it yesterday, uh, Andy Cook would not have scored that free kick. But like uh, any player you've got to do, you've got to take your chances. He's hit it hard and low. I will say, I must think, uh, must say, I think uh, Jake Turner, the junior goalkeeper, could have done a bit better with it. Uh, came out chatting in his defence. But yeah, it, I would say from a Gillingham point of view, obviously as a Jules fan, I can say this, uh, that was a very poor effort from our Jules team yesterday. But from Bradford, who are looking really, really strong under Graham Alexander, um, 
I think that's mm. five games, five wins in a row now for them. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm not going to say Gillingham deserved to lose, but Bradford definitely deserved to win yesterday. No, absolutely. And I think on, on the one hand, I kind of get where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think you you were very much sort of the uh, the makers of your own downfall yesterday. You you had a couple of chances yourself. You had more possession, but you just couldn't seem to to do anything really clinical. You know, you had a, a lot of corners, for example, six occasionally not that many, but six compared to Bradford's two. It just showed that you were able to have some of the pressure on Bradford at certain times, but that final sort of touch, that final pass, that final shot, you just couldn't seem to get right. You were creating chances, but they weren't high XG chances. So it was kind of quite disappointing, you know, I'd have thought from a Gillingham point of view. And like I say, I think the first goal as well that was uh, that Bradford scored, that uh, Jamie Walker tapped into the back of the net, that was, again, very much because of Gillingham's defensive error. Scott Malone being dispossessed inside of his own half like that, it's poor. It's the sort of thing that you can't really be doing in this league because any team, whether it's sort of uh, Stockport County up in first place or Forest Green Rovers languishing down near the bottom, any team's going to be able to capitalise on those sorts of defensive frailties in League Two. Oh, yeah, I will say it was a, a poor actual clearance from Jake Turner to Scott Malone. Um, and mm. I, I forget the Bradford player that actually came in and, and got the ball off of him. But ultimately, once he's got that ball, the chance isn't then, you know, there is no goal scored once he's received that ball. He has to create the chance, get into it, the ball into a dangerous area. And that's what he did. And unfortunately, mm. Gillingham, uh, like uh, before when Neil Harris was in charge, you know, we just had nothing in that final third. Bradford did. And yeah, I think they deserved deservedly were two nil winners on the day um look charlie a couple of questions i want to just throw at you and and i'm going to ask you this even though i mean i know where i would uh, stand on this but look with the up and down season that the jewels are actually having at the moment is promotion this year pretty much out of the question I won't want to say out of the question purely for the fact that, you know, yes, OK, you're in 10th place, but it's still only one point behind AFC Wimbledon in the playoff places. And we sort of just spoke off camera there, didn't we, Matt, about the just how close this League Two table seems to be at the minute. But I also don't expect you guys to be able to push into the playoffs purely on the back of the fact that I think there are better teams. There are... I think there are comfortably seven, if not more, sides that are better. You've also got the likes of MK Dons, who had a pretty poor start to the season, but are really picking up some form now. They're, they've played one less game than you, and they're only one point behind you. If, they, if they're able to win that game in hand, funnily enough, against AFC Wimbledon, then they'll find themselves in the playoff based on current the sort of current table. So, it's. I, I'm not saying that it's out of the question. You'll need to reinforce in January, and of course you're going to, but I don't necessarily see it happening right now. No, I've got to say, I agree with you. One of the things as a Jules fan, we, we need quality, not quantity. But um, unlike the start of the season where a lot of people had us as sort of one of the favourites to be in that promotion places, I think with the up and down season we have, it is looking more and more less likely unless we sign a 20 goal a season striker. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, I don't see us going up this season. Uh, but look, on that note, obviously that's now five wins in a row for Bradford. So realistically... You know, can they start potentially dreaming of getting to the playoffs? 
Look, I think the the next managerial appointment they made was huge for Bradford. They were a real sort of turning point in the middle of the season. Now, I've got to be honest, Graham Alexander, I thought was obvious. I've said this on the podcast before. I think he was the worst possible appointment that MK Dons could have made. I certainly don't think that's the case for Bradford. I think they've made a, they've made a really good appointment and he's going to be able to get to the best out of some of the players they've got. Again, they're only three points behind the playoffs themselves. Can they dream of uh, of a playoff push later on in the season? Absolutely. And if I'm honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see them beat a Gilling, beat Gillingham in the league table this season. But again, I think it's the exact same situation where I, I think there's just too many teams that are better than Bradford at the minute, and that's not a slight on Bradford. It's just in, you know, it's just a positive note on the quality of some of the teams in League Two this season. Yeah, there is some absolutely real quality teams in League Two at the moment. And like you just said there, I know I'm not, uh, I don't think uh, Bradford should be dreaming this year of potentially getting into the playoffs, although there's not, there is an outside chance they could get there. But I think next year would be more likely with a manager like Graham Alexander on their books. Mm-hmm. So after that 2 0 win by Bradford yesterday, that leaves Gillingham currently in 10th place and Bradford are in 14th. On to our next game, and this was Crawley Town versus Mansfield. Now, Crawley had won three of their last four home league matches against Mansfield prior to kickoff, and Scott Lindsay was looking for a response from his side after a 3-1 loss last time out. Whilst Mansfield, who had last week off after their game was postponed, were looking to cement their place in the uh, top three. Charlie, did you watch this game? What did you think of it? I certainly did watch it. This this was a, a big game for, for both sides in this one, really. Mansfield definitely wanted to be able to make sure that they can continue to pick up points, especially after, you know, a loss and a draw in their most recent two matches coming into this game uh, in the league when you've got the likes of Barrow ahead of them that are absolutely steamrolling anybody they're playing against at the minute. And Crawley would have also wanted to try to get back-to-back wins for the first time in a while in the league, considering sort of uh, what a great start to the season they had, but they've very much had a little bit of a, of a rot recently. But it didn't necessarily go Crawley's well. It didn't go Crawley's well full stop, to be fair, because they uh, obviously got the loss. It was a 3-1 Mansfield away victory. But it really started from the get-go, because in for Mansfield... Um, oh, <coughs> oh, I do apologise. Uh, for Mansfield, defender Cargill gave them the lead after only 12 minutes. Really, really strong header, that one, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, yeah, it was a cracking I, cracking header. Uh, really well-taken yeah. goal by him. It really was. And you know what? They're the, they're the sorts of goals that I just don't think get enough praise because people just think it's easy to do. But it it clearly isn't. Um, so really, really impressed, impressive from the defender there. Then, um, you know, a huge credit actually to Mansfield goalkeeper Christy him because he made some really good uh, sort of um, saves actually in this game uh, and you know he was actually integral for Mansfield to try and get some of the counter-attacks which was really positive. Crawley did get an equaliser though before half-time through a penalty but it didn't matter because Mansfield then went on in the second half and got themselves two goals in less than 10 minutes. Well time between the two goals in the 56th and the 64th minute to wrap up an away victory that they very much needed. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, f- first question, actually, uh, uh, this is not on my list of questions I normally ask you, but I've, I've got to ask you first, what do you think about the Crawley penalty? Because um, f- first off, as a Mans- if I was a Mansfield fan here, I would be absolutely fuming with my player if he's given that away as a penalty. He, uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, um, on the edge of the area, he's before a free kick, uh, which is being taken literally right out on the touchline, about 45 yards away from goal, nowhere near goal. Uh, the Crawley Town players all lining up on the edge of the box, and he's literally got his arm, uh, the Mansfield player's got his arm around the other Crawley player, literally holding him back whilst he's trying to run away, right under the referee's nose. Mm. I mean, we, we see the old Hurt shilling and stuff like that, but when you've got a referee standing no more than 10 yards away with clear line of sight... I mean, you've got to be absolutely fuming with your player if he's going to be doing something like that in the box. It's straight up embarrassing. You you cannot be doing that anywhere on the pitch, let alone the fact that it's in the box. It's it's just silly. When we talk a lot about refereeing standards uh, and, and things like that in the EFL, and it's always sort of a big topic of conversation. But actually, I think in that situation, the referee deserved massive praise. He didn't bottle the decision. He made it swiftly. And at the end of the day, the player just simply cannot be doing it. Crawley Town got the equaliser and it could have gone the total other way. I think realistically he's got to be thanking his uh, teammates for really getting him out of trouble in the second half. No, absolutely. I mean, it was a, it was a really well-taken penalty, I've got to say. But yeah, I mean, you'd be absolutely fuming with your player if, obviously, if that was uh, happened to your team. Um, look, Charlie, I've got to chuck a couple of questions uh, your way. So I think... For me, one of the biggest things is a former Jules player, Will Wright, who now plays for Crawley Town. He's come out and actually said it's really frustrating that, you know, Crawley Towns, their good performances, they're not translating into points. So do you think Crawley Town can feel that hard done by with the recent performances? Um, Hard done by is maybe a little bit of a stretch, you know. Uh, I think if you just look at some of the recent games they've played, obviously, yes, OK, they, they played all right against Mansfield, but they're losing against the really top-level Mansfield side. Their most recent loss in the league before that was against Notts County, and then the one before that was against Barrow. So this current run of good performances that they're getting is is great for them to see. And when they're going to start playing teams a little bit lower down on the table, as they already have done recently with playing, you know, Colchester and, Crawl, uh, and uh, Harrogate, for example... They are going to want, you know, they know that these good performances are going to be good enough to beat those teams lower down at the table. But to lose against Barrow, Mansfield and Notts County, for example, even whilst playing well, it's not something that they can be embarrassed about or anything like that because they're three of the best teams in this league. So hard done by, I'm going to say no, but I definitely do think that it's a real positive, their good performances, because sooner or later it will translate into points and potentially see them have a little bit of a climb back up the table. Yeah, I mean, look, I've got to say Crawley have been absolutely phenomenal this year in some of their games games I've seen them play. I mean, some of their losses against, as you said, the top teams, their performances have been excellent. I've got to say that's got to be down to probably what Scott Lindsay's doing on the training pitch with them. Mm. Uh, he's a really talented manager, would have loved to have had him at Gilles, but obviously he's, uh, we've decided to go a different way. But I, I do feel that, you know, again, if they can keep Scott Lindsay, keep this uh, basis of a team that they've got right now, yeah, okay, maybe this year. Maybe not so much, but if they keep performing the way they are, they're going to give a league two some real trouble next year. Uh, but obviously, you're on a team that are looking to get out of league two uh, onto Mansfield. Um, one of their players, four or five weeks, has been really impressed with me. Is that Bailey Cargill? Um, how hmm. important do you think he can be for this Mansfield team? 
uh, hugely important. And I don't think it's a surprise to anybody listening for for us to be sat here talking about him right now. End of the day, Bailey Cargill is a top level centre half for um, <clears throat> for Mansfield Town. And a team that are so strong defensively, the fact that there is still a standout performer at the back says it all. So I think he could be really, really impressed and pleased with his sort of uh, 18 matches so far. Yeah, I've got to say, I think he's been absolutely excellent. The last, uh, say, four or five games I've watched with him, he just seems really strong at the back. And you can tell he's a you know really good experienced pro. Uh, and I think Mansfield have got one hell of a player on their, t- uh, on their books there. Uh, but after that 3-1 win by Mansfield yesterday, that leaves Crawley Town in 13th place and Mansfield are in fourth. So on to our next game, and this was Crew versus Accrington Stanley. Now, Crew had lost seven of their last eight league matches against Accrington, failing to score in five of those matches and conceding thirteen prior to this game. And Accrington had won one, sorry, have have one of three of their last four trips to Crew, keeping a clean sheet in all three of those victories. And this game was on me. And after keeping a clean sheet, we all knew what the score was going to be. It finished Crew three, Accrington three in. For me, probably one of the games of the day. Uh, had had we not had we picked the uh, the Jules game as, uh, as the game of the day, I think this would have been it. Um, it was an absolutely uh, absolutely thrilling game. Um, there was, uh, I think, in the the last 15, 20 minutes or so, there was two goals sending off. Uh, lots of uh, commotion going on on the pitch. Um, so uh, just to, to break down the game for you, Crew Alexander scored in the fourth minute with Danny Rose uh, scoring. Uh, and then literally two minutes later, Nolan scored for Accrington Scanley with a very, 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 very well taken goal. Um, and then Crew managed to get a second in the 29th minute uh, to take uh, to be going in at half time to one up. And then the second half happened, and what a second half it was. Uh, Elliot Nevett struck in the eighth minute uh, of a dramatic stoppage time uh, to earn 10-man crew a fantastic 3-3 draw. Uh, Offord was sent off for crew Alexander uh, with a straight red card um, for violent conduct. And, yeah, I think it was a definite red card. Um, And it was just, do you know what? It was what I would call a classic League Two game of football. Uh, In terms of possession stats, if you look at the stats, it was pretty much, I think it was 42, 48 or 51, uh, 49. It was really close in in terms of uh, shots. um, I mean, it was a really entertaining game. There was over 30 plus shots from both teams combined. Um, Did you actually watch the match? Did you catch any of the goals? I've got to ask, Charlie, did you Mm -hmm. see the sending off? That was the key one for me. Did you see the sending off? Now, I actually have... Well, no is the answer. I've seen the goals. I haven't seen the sending off. Um, so, and, and I couldn't seem to find it anywhere. I don't, I don't know if I missed it on the actual like highlights thing, but I couldn't seem to find I don't know what um, was going on with what I was watching, but for some reason, I, I, I don't know. I didn't see it. I'll talk you through it. Basically, uh, one of the Accrington players uh, was running through, uh, basically had the ball played through, running through on goal, last man challenge, but it was high, looked like there were studs up. Um, you know, he basically he kicked the player, not the ball. It was a definite red card. Um, well, my, my, my argument, the reason why I wanted to know if you had seen it is I've watched it back mm-hmm. three or four times now, and I just keep thinking to myself, 
was it a challenge that needed to be made and i keep coming back to the answer of of no i don't you know it was a last man challenge but the player was kind of running away from goal so was the challenge need to be made no i just think it, it for me he that's obviously probably just wanted cost Christmas, three points yeah that's probably Christmas. what it, that was all it was it was, that was all it was that's gonna work christmas christmas so boxing day but um <laughs> no, i mean um yeah, it, it's a bit of a bit of a poor challenge, I must say, and it's a shame because it was a really thrilling game of football. But I do think that that has potentially cost uh, that had potentially cost Acton the, the chance to, to to take the game to them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've got to go through a couple of questions though with you on this one because I was uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler for going through and uh, reading all the team's social medias after games and. After reading crew socials last night, it, it seems like there's been a lot of blame on being thrown at the young Liverpool lone goalkeeper, Harvey Davis. I, I I, mean, I know they've had a few poor results recently, but look, can he be solely to blame for their issues? Or do you think it's a deeper rooted in deep, deep, sorry, deeper rooted within the core of that team? I don't think he's solely to blame for, for the run or anything daft like that. You know, the fact that they are without a victory now in their past three league matches. I don't think you can put that solely down to him. Although I don't think he covered himself in all too much glory yesterday. You know, I th- I mean, was it, um, I need to get my Woods right. I think it was Ben Woods who scored the first of the two Wood goals uh, in the 87th minute or whatever. His sort of drive from 25, 30 yards out, whatever it was, he could be really, really disappointed, the goalie there, for uh, allowing that into the corner of his net, I've got to be honest. And then as well, sort of spilling the uh, sort of cross shot, whatever whatever that was, straight into the path of Josh Woods for him to get a goal as well. He wasn't great yesterday, but I certainly don't think that he can be the sole reason for blame. Um, not that I think there actually has to be blame that gets appointed. Look, we are at this stage of the season, we're 21 matches in for Crew Alexander. They're on a really good run. They're potentially punching above where you, people would have expected them to be this season. You know, some, some people would have had them in the playoffs, maybe, but not too many. So the fact they're all they're on this slight downturn at the minute doesn't suddenly mean that there's cause for panic. That's what people thought about Stockport as well. And well, look how they came back yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a great uh, comeback, obviously from crew yesterday to, to keep fighting, even though they were a man down and get the very, very late equaliser. But uh, yeah, I just find it quite, uh, quite hard. I mean, being a goalkeeper is such a lonely job in in the world of football, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, you know, you're the hero one week, the villain the following week. I mean, this uh, young guy, I believe he's only like 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still learning. This is probably his first foray into, into men's football. Um, but in times like that, you know, a bit of experience, yes, would help. But I can't, I don't think he's told me to blame. I think he's pulled off some brilliant saves this season from the games I've seen. And and I actually think uh, Crew have got a very good goalkeeper on their hands. He's just learning the game. Um, but look, if so, a question from about Accrington, and, and I, I, I'm going to need you to put your John Coleman hat on here. So you're John Coleman. First of January comes around, uh, and uh, you've been told by the uh, Andy Holt, the big boss man upstairs, promotion is a must. So if that's the case, if, if they want to achieve promotion, what areas are going to need improving in that Accrington team? Look, I've got to be honest. My issue with Accrington, I don't think there's sort of one sole position or anything like that. For me, 
I feel like they just need a little bit of experience, a little bit more sort of experience in that side, a little bit better leadership because they've got some young stars that are performing really, really well this season. I mean, look at Brad Hills at the back, for example, a 19-year-old, but he's played so many minutes and rightly so, he's been brilliant. But they they also need kind of leaders and experience around that. And don't get me wrong, they've got some in the likes of Sean Wally and uh, McConville and players like that but I do just think they need a little bit more one or two that are going to be able to play many more games than what the likes of Sean Wally and uh, McConville for example have played this season um yeah the thing is with Accrington is they're so middle of the park in most of your sort of statistical analysis they are very very mediocre across a pitch which is fine if you want to be finishing mid-table, but they don't. They've got an ambition, clearly, to push themselves back into the playoffs and push themselves back up into League One, whether that's this season or next. So I think they need just to... This young squad that they're building is brilliant. It's great to see. Andy Holt's going to love it for the think of the resale value on some of these youngsters. But at the same time, they do need experience in League Two because you just can't develop this young squad in this division and expect to beat teams off the park every week. It's not the way it's going to go. Sometimes you need the leadership, you know, to be able, as we said with Crew, to come back and have to show that fight from 10 man down to come back and still salvage a point yesterday. That's the sort of thing that I feel like I don't necessarily see Accrington doing enough of this season so far. And it's something they're going to need to build on in the January transfer window. Yeah, absolutely. Is uh, I mean, obviously, you, 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 we, we talked about you know Andy Holt before. We talked about uh, John uh, John Coleman. You know, yeah, I, I like the guys up there. I think they they're excellent. Whether I feel that this year is this year, uh, this is their year to potentially get out of this division. I think I th- I'll, I'll be honest. I think there are going to be four better teams that are, uh, are going to get out of this division before before Accrington will. But keep that core group. As you said, that those young guys they've got. You know, maybe next year. Who knows? But after that thrilling 3-3 draw yesterday, that leaves Crew currently in fifth and Appington are in ninth. So on to our next game. And this was Doncaster versus Morecambe. And this was only the fifth meeting between Doncaster Rovers and Morecambe in the league, with Doncaster winning two and Morecambe winning one and the other ending in a draw. So I had the fun, fun-filled task of watching this thrilling game and it ended Morecambe five. Doncaster meal and first thing I'm, I'm going to come to the questions a little bit later but one thing I will say is I do think Morecambe were definitely worthy of this uh, 5 nil mm. win oh, and, and, and Doncaster were very very poor uh, first uh, I'll talk you through obviously a couple of the goals so the first one uh, was um, uh, uh, King scored for Morecambe in the seventh minute a shot from outside the box uh, on the corner Somehow be, uh, make, making the ball pass 20-odd players that were in the box. Nobody seemed to get a touch on it. And the ball uh, somehow managed to end its way into the back of the net. Um, and that was really, I say, very poor defending, I think, from the Morgans' part. Because nobody, somebody, somebody could have just stuck a leg out, I think, there and diverted the ball away from goal. But, yeah, I just think it, overall it was a pretty poor Doncaster performance yesterday. Uh, Mickey Mellon uh, obviously then scored in the 34th minute. Uh uh, I always I'm going to pronounce his name and and forgive me, <laughs> but Bedou <laughs> scored in the 51st minute. Uh, good we'll old De- 
Yeah, good old Disco Dave uh, Totonda, former Jules player, lovely guy, scored in the 80th minute and then Mickey Mellon in the 90th plus 7th minute. Um, yeah, look, for me yesterday, Morecambe were definitely by far one of the better teams I'd seen uh, mm. out of all the games I've gone through. Um, it, you know, even when you go through and, and you sort of look at some of the stats, um, I think uh, one, one of the stats I've got written down here was 43% possession for Morecambe, which sounds, you think, oh, and they've won 5-0. I thought it would be in the opposite way around. But they were really happy to let Doncaster have as much of the ball as they wanted and just mm. picked off those small, tiny mistakes. And when they came, they made Doncaster, uh, they, uh, punished, uh, punished Doncaster for it. Um, the, I mean, look, I, I, one thing I will say, the possession-wise for Doncaster, when they've got the ball... It's great that you've got the ball, but if you're not going to do anything, you are going to get caught out in this league. And the problem is they had so much of the ball. And in the first, in their first and second thirds of their pitch, they were fine with it. As soon as they got into their final third, they just lacked any kind of thought going forward. I mean, I think they could have been playing till right now, and I don't think Doncaster would have scored no. yesterday. I just, I, I, you know, I, I don't like, I never like talking bad about teams, but I just think Doncaster yesterday were just really poor. They didn't turn up. And it is unfortunate. I mean, again, did you catch any of the game? Did you see any of the goals? Yeah, I did. And and there were the one goal in particular. Oh my days! The passing move from Morecambe to be able to get that in the back of the net. Now, if you haven't seen it, guys, go and check it out. We've put it on uh, the Real EFL social Twitter account. So go and have it. Oh, sorry, X. Sorry, sorry. Please don't shoot me, Elon. X, um, X, yeah. So <laughs> go and check it out over there. Such, such a nice move. Um, and yeah, look, do you know what? Like, I think you kind of summed it up perfectly. Morecambe, this this five nil result doesn't flatter Morecambe at all. In the in the sense that they, you know, they were perfect value for this five nil victory. And like I say, Doncaster Rovers were perfect value for the five nil loss. And that's something that Grant McCann's gonna be really, really worried about. Yeah, I mean, you've actually pretty much answered my question and uh of my Morgan question, which was did the scoreline flatter them? And yes, yeah, so I don't I don't think it did. I think it I think they were no. well worthy of the, the five nil win. But on to Grant McCann here, because um so again, going through the press conferences, and you know, we've all said it was a poor performance. He obviously knew it was such a poor performance. He's actually ordered his Donny team to come in for extra training on the Sunday uh, today. <laughs> but look, I I kind of just feel at the moment, um, and again, this is not that I'm, I say I don't like talking bad about any teams, but I just feel at the moment this Donny team has no sort of unity. There's no co- cohesion be- between any of the players there. So. Look, is there any way they can salvage anything decent from this season or are they just hoping to to stay in the division come the end of the year? Look, I'll be honest, I expected Doncaster doing so much better than what they currently are this season. And on top of that, I also thought that, you know, soon enough they'd get rid of the kind of inconsistencies that they were showing earlier on in the season and be able to try and pick, like I said, pick themselves up and start climbing up the places in the league. But that's just not happened. If anything, they have kind of stopped the inconsistency, but they've gone the other way. They they don't seem to be anywhere near as good as what they could be. And I do I do very much agree with you. I think they've got some real quality in the side, but there's no real cohesion. I'm not surprised that Grant McCann's going to, you know, has called them back in for training. He's got to make a bit of a statement. He's got to try and get something into these players to make them realise that, you know, they need to be able to be playing as a team a lot better than what they currently are. Because 
it's not even like, you know, as we were talking about there with um, the sort of crew, the fact that they're really good performances. Sorry, not crew, Crawley, wasn't it? The fact that they're having really good performances, but they're just not, they're not seeming to be able to pick up the points and they feel really disappointed. That's not the case with Doncaster because with Doncaster, they're not even having the great performances. They're very, very lacklustre, very mediocre across the field or mediocre at best. And there's definitely something that needs to change there. And I don't even know if it's something that can change in the January transfer window, because like I said, they've got quality in the side. You look at some of the players that they've got. I mean, when you look on paper, I mean, I thought Joe Ironside was the signing of the season for Doncaster. Genuinely with some of the quality that was being brought into League Two, I really thought he was going to still be able to stand out. And yeah, it's just not really gone that way. Don't get me wrong, he's got eight goals. Um, and Mo Farrell's got seven, but again, they they're having to rely on individual brilliance rather than any kind of team cohesion. So they can be really disappointed so far. And soon enough, Grant McCann's going to need to make make some changes. I'm not saying that I think he's the man not to take them forward, but I do feel like soon enough, questions are going to have to start being asked of somebody in that hierarchy. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that um, if... <laughs> I think my, my biggest concern from Doncaster is if they were to lose a couple of their talented players that they do have mm. in that squad uh, in January, it, we could be looking at a really sort of rough end to the season for them. Um, but but then vice versa, if they could get a bit a bit more quality in, maybe a bit more experience in that team, mm. then they could start moving back up the table. But it's it's this is yeah this league two is such a such a league this year. Honestly, everyone's beating everyone left, right, and centre. Mm. It's you can't ever call it week on week out, but. Hopefully, fingers crossed for any Doncaster fans out there, you can keep hold of your top class players that you've got in the, uh, in the January transfer window and also get in a little bit more quality. But after that 5-0 win for Morecambe yesterday, that currently leaves Doncaster in 19th place. Uh, Morecambe are flying high up in 8th. On to our next game. This is Harrogate Town versus Notts County. Now, this match is the first ever league meeting between Harrogate and Notts in the top four tiers of English football. Their only other meeting came, sorry, their last meeting, sorry, came when Harrogate Town beat Notts County in uh, the National League playoff final in 2020. Harrogate Town obviously won that game 3 1 uh, and earned promotion to the Football League for the first time in their history. And after yesterday's score uh, scoreline, it was a repeat of that 2020 National League playoff final. It ended Harrogate Town 3, Notts County 1. It certainly did. There was a repeat of that playoff final um, yesterday, wasn't there? And Notts County are obviously going to be extremely disappointed considering this horrendous run of form that they're actually in at the minute. And Luke Williams has seriously got to sort something out. But we'll kind of get on to that. Just sort of talking through the game, Harrogate managed to open the scoring inside of 10 minutes when on the seventh minute mark, Thompson ended up firing in from only 12 yards out. Really, really impressive goal there. And then it didn't stop there. As in the 32nd minute, uh, Odo... Odo, 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 uh, Odo ended up uh, pouncing to find a really lovely opportunity in the middle of the six-yard box and getting a second. Now, that's okay. Look, 2-0 down at half-time for Notts County. They'll think, okay, we know we can score. And yes, you know their, their philosophy has very much been um, 
scoring more than their opposition in the you know def- we know that what their defensive frailties are like so maybe they'd have thought they could come back and in the 67th minute I can imagine that they were very much feeling that when Jody Jones managed to get on the scoring for the away side although that belief didn't really last long as in the 68th minute uh, Daly managed to restore the two goal advantage with a goal into the bottom right corner really really nice goal that one by the way i don't know if you've seen it so there was a little back heel in there and it was really really nice but look this was a game less about these 90 minutes of football this was a game much more about the kind of the fundamental issues for Notts County and they're on a really really poor run at the minute they've lost six out of their last eight matches to run that really can't go on the way it is. They're conceding too many goals. You know, that's already three goals conceded yesterday, two goals conceded against Walsall the week before, three goals, uh, sorry, four goals conceded against Wimbledon only a few weeks before then as well. And even the games that they're winning, they're still conceding in. It's just not good enough. It's they're, they're fourth lowest, fourth highest, if you're sorry, if you like, in the league for goals conceded. Yes, okay, they're still sat in sixth and they are the league's t- second top scorers at the minute, joint with Crew and Wrexham. But when you're conceding as many as you are, even if you're able to go and outscore your opposition on a regular basis, is it really sustainable in League Two? Can they really push for the playoffs in the, with their current kind of philosophy? I think it's going to be a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I do. I, I think I asked you the question a few weeks ago, you know, can not outscore you know more you know the teams to 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 get out this division and i think it would be really difficult and I, I, after a sort of a, you know team like yesterday obviously i think harrogate that was their first win at home in seven you know so they were really struggling at, at, at home and you'd expect maybe Notts county to turn up but they didn't seem to turn up yesterday which was a a bit strange but look with um with grimsby Accrington, tranmere coming up uh, all before the new year uh, for for harrogate do you think this is that perfect opportunity to try and get a playoff place, to try and push for a playoff place? Or again, are we thinking not this year? I just feel like, again, with Harrogate, and you know, I, I'm running the risk of kind of repeating myself and using the same answer to sort of multiple questions. I just feel like there's plenty teams that are better in this league than Harrogate. But I also think that they've managed to stabilise themselves really well in League Two over the past few seasons. And they could be really, really pleased with where they are. The fact that they're able to pick up results like this, being able to beat other teams in and around them, getting a draw against Wrexham, for example, as well, in their last League Two game. At the end of the day, Harrogate are would be happy with a mid-table finish, I think. And I, I would expect that to be the way it goes, even though they are only four, five, uh, five points off of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think if you see, if you look at, um, uh, you know, they've been in the football league now. What is it? This is their second year, third year in the football league. You know, the, the one thing you want to do is become become a stable football league team, and then mm. you can start pushing your way up the league. And and look, Harrogate have done really well, I think. Um, you know, obviously they've not had the greatest of seasons so far this year, but. Um, yeah, I think I think I again I agree with you. I don't think playoffs or, or promotion anything like that this year. Who knows? Maybe next year because yeah, they'd be a bit more stable in this league. But yeah, I think cement their place as a, a solid mid uh, mid league two table team this year. And who knows what will happen for them next year? Um, 
on on that note, obviously not. Uh, look, they haven't had the best run of forms recently either. And uh, do you, I mean, do you do you think January could be really key for their for their promotion chances this year? Maybe getting a few quality defenders, uh, maybe uh, get a different goalkeeper or whatever. Did you really think January could be key for Knots this year? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's going to be key for this division as a whole. Let's, let's very much say that. But at the same time, Notts County have actually got some really strong players. I think I think they've got a real good core in this team. So even with additions, I don't know if it's going to make too much of a difference in terms of personnel. I do actually think their issue is tactically. They're trying to play out from the back in in League Two with you know players that aren't going to be able to play Pep Guardiola ball, even though that's that's kind of the idea of moving the ball out from the back, creating sort of um, chances from from nothing, which is a decent enough mantra to have. But in League Two, with the level of players that you're going to have in the squad, it's not always the easiest thing to do. So they're at a bit of a crossroads coming into January because Luke Williams has got to decide with his recruitment team. Look. Do we want to be signing sort of experienced brick brick house uh, defenders that you know are just going to be able to do what a defender's role traditionally is, or are they going to want to be signing players that can maybe move the ball out better, be ball playing defenders as well? They've got to decide, and they've got to decide pretty quickly because if they if they don't decide, or or, or they decide, but then they just you know uh, then they don't follow it. For example, with how they're playing on the pitch then they're going to find themselves in a really difficult situation. So I'm not actually quite sure what Notts County, where Notts County go from here. But Luke Williams, like I said, has really got a decision on his hands. Yeah, he does. Look, for me, it comes back to the old saying of, you know, strikers will win you games, defenders will win you championships. Uh, you know, I, I and look, as much as Notts County can outscore most teams in this league, if their defence is being leaky at the back, I think that's going to be their downfall this year. And look, all it takes is for one team to shut them out, to, to just sit back and defend and nickel the odd goal and, mm. you know, potentially they're, they're going to lose a game. Uh, but look, after that 3-1 win yesterday from Harrogate, uh, that leaves them in 16th and Notts County are in 6th. On to our next game. And this was MK Dons versus Forest Green. Now, MK Dons had won all of their last three league matches against Forest Green Rovers, all by one goal margin. And Forest Green have never beaten MK Dons in the top four tiers of English football. And this is only their fifth ever meeting. And it ended... MK Dons to Forest Green nil, and again it was a really good, uh, good game of football. I think from MK Dons. Look, Forest Green, I've got to say they don't look like a team when when they play. They don't look like a team necessarily languishing at the bottom. It kind of almost feels like luck just doesn't go their way. That that kind of what it seems like from an outsider. Mm. I'm sure Forest Green fans will tell me differently. Uh, but look to cut it back, the two goals that. Um, uh, that uh, MK Don scored yesterday. Um, so for the host actually opened the scoring uh, as um, Dean controlled a Joe Tomlinson cutback, uh, invaded a defender and fired a shot across Luke Daniels into the bottom corner. And, and again, you know, you're talking if Luke Daniels was two inches taller, he would have ticked it around the post. Um, very, very, very unlucky. Uh, and then in uh, the 37th minute, uh, the uh, the MK Don, sorry, uh, 
uh, came so, oh sorry I've lost where my notes are so there it is so uh, MK Don's doubled their lead when Tomlinson's cross picked out Jack Payne who hit this podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024, and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows, and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realEFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A firm strike into the back of the net. It was... A well-deserved win, I think, by MK Dons. But as I said, it for me, Forest Green didn't look like the team necessarily down. Lancashire did at the bottom of the league. The only thing I will say is they did struggle in front of goal. They had eight shots all game, none on target. But they were still being able to create chances and were still being able to pick holes in the MK Dons' defence. Um, Charlie, I don't know if you actually watched any of the game at all. Uh, do, you, mm. do you understand where I'm coming from where I think, where I say, I just feel Forest Green have just been really unlucky this year? Um, I do and I don't. I think, on the one hand, I, I get where it is you're coming from, but I think it's their issues, like we've already said, for example, in front of goal. If if, if you can't score, you can't win games. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is unfortunately simple as that. They are second lowest in the league for goals this season. Um, do you know who the lowest is, Matt? Just, just, just thought I'd um, have to... Uh, seeing as it is Gillingham. Is it Charlton? <laughs> you'd be all right. You'd be all right if you had Alfie May. Um, oh, yes, yeah, a shame, mate. Alfie May who? <laughs> Yeah, um, Forest Green, they're just not good enough in front of goal. It is literally as simple as that, really. Um, you know. I mean, I was just saying, I mean, you, you, you think with, with you know, when you've got like, a player like Troy Deeney's quality uh, playing for you, you, you'd think you'd be scoring goals, but it's, it's, it is weird. There's just nothing seems to be falling for them at that top end of the pitch. And this is why I think, I actually say, I think Forest Green, I'd say you're more unlucky than anything because. They are trying to get into the right areas, which is a positive sign for a Forest Green fan. But yeah, you're right; they're just not able to put that ball it's, into the back of the there's, net. There's a le- there's a level of sloppiness, though. Like I, I get where you're coming from in the in the sense that they are very much able to get themselves into some positions that are close to the goal, but it just it's always that final touch, that final pass, that final shot. It's just seemingly letting them down a little bit too much this season. They've just been a little bit too sloppy in that kind of final third. Even when they're getting into good positions, they're not making the best decisions either. And, you know, I I just, I, I think it's a situation that can be solved. So I'm definitely not counting them out at all this season. 
of uh, kind of staying in the division. But I do think it's a situation that needs to be fixed sooner rather than later. And whether that means mass sort of changes to the squad in January, who knows? Okay, well, you've pretty much answered my my forest green question there. So I'm going to jump to my MK Dons one. And look, we 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 we're both fans of Mike Williamson. <laughs> who who can't deny that he's a very yep. very good manager. Is playoffs this year under Mike Williamson too much of a stretch? And are we thinking more next year, or or do we think there is an outside chance? Get a couple of players in in January, they could have that real big push. Right, I am going to go out on a limb here and say that MK Dons will be playing in the playoffs come May next year. Now, I know, I know that's a little bit of a of a push for some, I'm sure. But I think they've got some real quality in this side. And like I said, I think they're now starting to show that under my Williamson. I, you know, I've I've not sort of uh, hidden the fact that I think he's a fantastic manager and he was the perfect appointment for MK Dons. And I've also not hidden the fact that I think Graham Alexander was the worst possible appointment for MK Dons. But the fact they're now able to perform with a strong manager that's playing the style of play that their players are clearly getting behind and this philosophy that they're really buying into already... Um, I think it, it, the, the you know the sky really is the limit for these guys now, and I think they're going to be uh, scoring a lot more. For example, I think they're going to obviously have so much more possession in games as well. Okay, yes, they might concede a couple more, but I still think they're strong enough defensively not to be conceding on a regular basis as well. They've, like I said, they've got some real, real quality, so I do think they're getting in the playoffs. I really do. Well, perfect. Well, after that 2-0 win by MK Dons yesterday, that leaves them in 11th and Forest Green are down in 23rd. Right, guys, it's that time. Go grab yourself a cup of coffee and we'll see you in five. Welcome back, guys. Let's crack straight on with our next game. And this was Newport versus Grimsby. Now, Newport County had failed to win in each of their last two league, ma uh, league matches against Grimsby. With the last time they went there, uh, went three EFL matches without a win, sorry, was with the Mariners, was between 1978 and 2017. Grimsby Town put an end to a three-match losing streak away at Newport in their last such match, winning 2-0 in September 2022. And after 90 minutes was up, the final score was Newport 1, Grimsby 1. Charlie, did you watch it? What did you think? Yeah, look, it was, uh, I think, first of all, if we just kind of take the, the result for a minute, it's a result that actually both sides might be pretty happy with, especially considering some of, for example, the wholesale changes at Grimsby recently and away from home. I think they will definitely definitely take it. And it's another point for a Newport County side, who obviously they had those back-to-back -back victories uh, at the back end of last month. Uh, but then obviously a loss to Tranmere before going into this one. So I do think it's a good result for both sides. Although, you know, this is another draw for Grimsby Town, who seem to be making that their speciality at the moment. Um, yeah, so look, Omar Bogle opened the scoring for Newport County in the 72nd minute, tapping home a really, really nice cross from Shane McLaughlin to score against, obviously, his former club. Although sort of joy from Newport fans being one up, unfortunately quickly evaporated as in the 78th minute, only six minutes later, Danny Rose grabbed uh, a close range effort that effectively earned Grimsby a point. 
I think, like I say, at the end, at the end of the day, it's going to be disappointing for Newport to be given the draw from a winning position. And I know it's something that we'll uh, come on to. But I do think that David Artell will be reasonably pleased. At the, you know, it's not a loss. They're on a little bit of an unbeaten run. It's nice. But they are definitely going to want to have to improve in January to turn those draws, especially sort of one-all draws, into victories. Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually quite a good ga- uh, game yesterday. And as you said, obviously, Omar Bogle scoring against his uh, his former club there. Um, but look, Newport manager Graham Coulahan came out and said, look, we're just chucking away points too easily. And I have to address that. Uh, one or two players will need to be changed. So what changes is he talking about? Well, look, there's, there's quite clearly a little bit of an issue sort of defensively to be conceding straight after you've scored is going to be you know is really really disappointing and so they they are quite poor on the sort of defensive front but I wouldn't be too surprised to see it be some some midfield changes because it's so it's that kind of leadership in in the middle of the park that you need to be able to to you know keep uh, victory when you're sort of winning a game and I think that's the sort of thing that Newport just might be lacking a little bit this season. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it's obviously, currently they're down in 17th place at the moment. But when you look at the squad, they've not got a terrible squad there. But again, no. it just it feels like, like um, Graham Coulihan has come out and said, you know, there's probably one or two positions that might need to be addressed. And hopefully, mm. if you can address them, they might have a very strong Newport squad on, on our hands there. Um, but on that note, with David Artell obviously coming in and into Grimsby and, you know, he, he said he wants to pull away from the bottom and, and, and make sure that, you know, they're, they're safe in League Two. So where would he want me to strengthen in January? Again, are we talking a leadership thing or are we talking more quality? I think for Grimsby, it's actually quality. Um, I just, this is, this is what I'm talking about. I feel like if they just had that little bit of an extra quality within the squad, and they'd be able to be turning some of these draws into victories because they're they're close but not quite there. And I think David Artel's come in and he, he you know he's putting on a bit of a play style to the Grimsby players, and some of them are very much getting on board with it. And it's great to sort of see from their point of view. But like I say, there is just that lack of sort of final quality at the minute. Obviously, we know that Danny Rose is a sort of player that will be a bagsman in this division. But in terms of massive quality outside of that, sort of a, a young star that's uh, you know got really great technical ability, it's not the sort of thing that none of the players that are playing regularly for Grimsby Town are really jumping out at me, and that sort of fit into you know that kind of remit. I think Carol Conter's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant player, uh, but and he's the sort of example of the players that they're going to want to be working towards sort of getting more of same as sort of Alex Hunt as well, who's somebody who we spoke on about on the podcast not too long ago. That's the kind of caliber of player that they're going to want to be bringing in, in January to just try and turn their fortunes around slightly in the sense of just getting over the line in these matches. Well, after that one, one draw yesterday between Newport and Grimsby, that leaves Newport in 17th and Grimsby are in 18th. 
on to our next game. And this was Southwood versus Wimbledon. And Southwood City are unbeaten in their two previous EFL matches with ASC Wimbledon, winning their last such meeting 3-2. Now, ASC Wimbledon are still looking for their first win in the top four tiers of the English football against Salford City. They face, they say they first faced off against Salford last season, drawing 0-0 away from home and then losing 3-2 at home. Now, after this thrilling game yesterday, it ended Salford nil, Wimbledon nil. Now, look, for a nil-nil, this was a game where I think the visitors can can probably hold their hands up and say, you know, we, we've we were unlucky not to walk away with all three points here. They had 20 plus shots uh, yesterday. Al Hamadi almost scored in, in stoppage time. Um, uh, I, I forget his name. Uh, Armani Little, I believe it is. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely f- uh, phenomenal in the first half. But for a nil-nil draw, this was definitely an entertaining game. Um, it it just came, you know, a game. And... I'm, I'm not done with the point fingers here, but had the strikers maybe been a little bit better, a little bit more clinical at the top end of the pitch, it might not have finished nil nil. It could have been two all or three all. Could have been a really entertaining game. It was end to end. Did you watch any of it? Have you seen any of the highlights? Because there've been some there were some cracking shots in there. I did, and there was there was some really good sort of shots. But again, I, I very much sort of agree with you. I feel like it's hard to say both sides because we know what AFC Wimbledon, for example, uh, their ability is like in front of goal so far this season. They've got some real standout players that can score some really, really nice finishes. But I think if we're looking more at Salford, they're, they're just going to be really disappointed with the sorts of chances they're creating. They're not good enough chances. I mean, the XG for yesterday, for example, they only managed to record 0.63 XG to compared to AFC Wimbledon's 1.27. It's that kind of less than one XG standard that unfortunately Salford are hitting at the minute and they need to be upping that if they're going to want to get, you know, push a little bit further up it is a real issue for them offensively and I think yesterday kind of proved that they looked void of ideas when they approached the final third to the point where they were just hitting shots from actually a little bit far out at times as well yeah I mean it was a, it was a quite an entertaining game yesterday and um you know obviously as I said I always read the socials afterwards and uh one of the uh one of the things that's really uh sort of I can't think what the word is, but sort of really uh, sort of confuses me is how sort of Salford fans feel about the owners there at the club, uh, how they sort of feel that they're they're actually uh, maybe not putting enough money into the club, how Salford could be a, a much bigger club than they are. But one thing I will say, Salford have look, they've only won once in their last ten games. Now something clearly needs to change for them to become playoff contenders, whether it's this year or next year. Mm. Is that going to be boardroom level? Is that manager? Or is it just solely their squad needs needs an overhaul? The thing is, is Salford got to this division, obviously, quite quickly. And everybody knows the story behind Salford. Do changes now need to be made to get them up to the next level? Yes, probably. Now, should that have to be board level? No, I don't think that they've got a they've got an issue at the board. And I think it's very easy to sort of say that a board just because it's owned by a club's owned by rich people, those rich people should automatically be putting in a greater percentage of their portfolio, for example, into the football club. In this case, Salford City. 
But do I also think that they, they do need a little bit more investment into the squad? Absolutely. I think they need to have a bit of a base core of younger players that they don't really seem to have. And if they want to want to be ran sustainably in the near future, then I think that's the sort of method that they're going to need to start going for because too many of their regular starters are over the age of 30. And that's just too old, Matt. Yes, yes, uh, you're telling me as I'm about to be 40. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Um, but look, I mean, I've got to ask uh, on, on the MK front, uh, sorry, the AFC Wimbledon's. Uh, oh, oh, don't get them too confused. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> you just so, uh, uh, on the AFC Wimbledon front here, about uh, Al Hamadi and actually uh, Omar Bugle, because... Uh, Okay, I was just doing a bit of research today, and it seems like you know they're getting a lot of scouts come down and watch them too. So, how important do you think it is for AFC Wimbledon to keep hold of that those two strikers they have? Oh, look, it's it's integral to their playoff push this season. That you know they've this position that they seem to have found themselves in in the table, and those two players are absolutely integral to that. There's no denying that at all. But at the same time, I actually think that. AFC Wimbledon, if let's say they were to lose them, it would be for money, right? Let's let's not, you know, they, they would get they would get something for it. And at the end of the day, I would have faith in AFC Wimbledon to be able to recruit smartly if they were put into that position. I mean, look, they, I've got to say they recruited extremely smartly with Al Hamadi and uh, Omar Bugle there. I think they were two two players that, you know, on, on paper I wouldn't have necessarily thought would have worked that well together. But actually seeing them play together, they they look absolutely phenomenal. And look, I, I, I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, not going to uh, break any uh, bones when I say, look, I, I absolutely really do like Al Hamadi. I'd love to have him in a Jill shirt. Never going to happen, but I would have loved to have had him in a Jill shirt. I, I really do rate him. And, I think he's a championship quality player. We have currently playing in League Two, which which we're very lucky to have at the moment. But after that nil-nil draw yesterday, that leaves Salford in twentieth, and AFC Wimbledon are currently in seventh. On to our next game. This was Stockport versus Sussex United, and Stockport County have won both of their previous meetings with Sussex United in the top four tiers of English football, with both victories coming last season. Sutton United lost 3-0 on their only previous EFL visit to Stockport last year. So, was it going to be 3-0 again? Final score, Stockport 8. Yes, Stockport 8. Sutton United, nil. Charlie, how are you going to talk us through this one then? Uh, look. We're, we're almost an hour into the podcast. In fact, we may have even broken the hour mark now. We have. And I, uh, I'm i not going to bore you all by making you all sit here and me go through eight different goals. But we'll, we'll sort of just talk about some of the fundamental issues. There was some really, really nice finishing from Stockport. There's some incredible play. I... Um, that we Obviously, we have the real EFL social Twitter account. And on a th- uh, Wednesday night, it was, wasn't it, where they lost two... Uh, older shot in the uh, FA Cup. I kind of put a little tweet out saying, "Oh, you know, this is this is a really poor run that Stockport are in now. Are they starting to feel the pressure at the top of the League Two table?" And uh, a couple of people went, "Yeah, you know, there's, there's a few injury issues, things like this." But p- the general consensus seems to be actually yes. You know, the, they're expecting a little bit of a slip. 
Well, Stockport very much shut me up, didn't they, yesterday with an emphatic 8-0 victory. I mean, that just incredible in League Two this this season. Look, we've, we've spoken about the quality of some of the sides and the amount of goals that seem to be getting scored this year. I'd love to see the stats somewhere, but I would imagine that by this point of the season, there's never, ever been more goals scored in the league as a whole because it is absolutely crazy for that. Um but yeah, Sutton as well. Ah, so, so poor yesterday. So, so poor. Some of the goals that Stockport were able to get, as much as they were nice goals for Stockport, and they could be really pleased with their efforts. Sutton were just giving them away. Literally, it was it was charity work. <laughs> you know, it, honestly, it was absolutely horrendous. But they know that. Uh, you know, the manager very much came out and said that afterwards. Ad, as did... Um, Stockport County's manager as well. Dave Shalliner very much came out and said, look, I'm really, really happy. This is one of my best best performances I've ever had and all of this. Um, but he also t- he t- he turned around and went, I feel really, really sorry for Sutton because that isn't them. You know, it's it's really unlucky. And, uh, and, and you know, it was, it was being really, really sort of heartfelt to the Sutton players, which is very much nice to... Uh, Nice to see. But look, Matt Gray's going to be really, really disappointed with his team's performance. But it's Stockport that, are re- that really let out a statement yesterday saying, do you know what? We may not have had the greatest of uh, runs recently, but that doesn't matter because we're going back to winning ways. Yeah, they are. absolutely. I mean, they, they, they looked absolutely phenomenal yesterday. And, and I kind of get what you mean. It's Sutton were were very, very poor. Um but on that note, obviously, with with Stockport being that good yesterday, a bit of a bit of a hypothetical here for you. But what's the only thing going to be stopping Stockport from clinching this League Two title? Because they pretty much got it in the bag, haven't they? But you know what? It's funny because if you'd have asked me that earlier on this week, for example, or, or even at the start of Saturday, I'd have said the only thing that will stop Stockport is Stockport. And I was a little bit worried that, like I said, they will start to feel the pressure and they will just maybe start dropping a few too many points and all of this after that, what was an absolutely incredible run that gave them that sort of four, five, six point advantage at the top of the table anyway. But that just clearly isn't the case. They've shown that, you know what, they can shrug off this sort of past couple of weeks of poor performances and poor results and they're going to be able to go straight back to winning ways. What's going to be absolutely integral now is over the festive period, can they just rebuild that consistency that they've shown us so far going into January if they're able to, let's say, still be six, seven, eight points clear at the top of the League Two table in mid-January. A lot more players, for example, going to want to sign for them. It'll make their recruitment process so much easier. And also, it will be a real, real statement of intent for their promotion chances, which I do think they are probably favourites out of anybody now to go up, let alone win the title. Yeah, I think for me, I've got to say, they're, they're definitely one of the teams that I, I've got my money on to now go ahead and win the title. They've been an absolutely expert form. The only thing I could see that could potentially stop them is, you know, if half their team all got injured, you know, playing water polo or something like that. You know, something completely <laughs> stupid would be the only reason that they would let them down. I, I can't see many other teams uh, beating them this year. I just think they look so strong. But onto a team that literally can't seem to win at all. Look, is there any hope now for Sutton that they can turn this around? 
always always national league just looking at a bit more realistic i'll be honest i was sort of in the camp that sutton were going to be able to climb a little bit higher in the table from this sort of position and i didn't think it was quite fair that they were six points adrift or sort of of safety with colchester in 22nd but after watching the game yesterday, I mean, what on earth are they were they doing? Like, it's just the basics that they were getting wrong on a regular regular basis, and it's just simply not good enough. And uh, if I'm honest, they're going to need to make some wholesale changes in January. They're a good group of lads, a good group of players, sure, but they need to be of a higher standard than what they are being at the minute because these sort of basics you just can't get wrong in this league because any side will punish you and punish you big and Stockport obviously did yesterday. Yeah, they did and eight, eight goals is no mean feat. Hey, and after that 8 nil thrashing there by Stockport yesterday, that leaves them still top of the shot in first and Sutton United are holding up the entire Football League in 24th. On to our next game. This was Swindon versus Barrow. And Swindon Town had won four of their last six league matches against Barrow and were unbeaten in their last three going into the game. Now, Barrow had won just one of their four previous visits to Swindon Town. That was a 1-0 win in September of 1967. So, after the 90 minutes was up, the final score, Swindon nil, Barrow 3. And it was an Excellent, excellent performance yesterday from Barrow. They've taken their unbeaten streak in League Two now to 11 matches. Uh, Kian Spence got um, off the mark in the 34th minute when uh, he was unmarked uh, uh, from the back post uh, from a very wide free kick. David Wall played the ball into him and he was able to bury his shot into the bottom corner. Um, and in the 58th minute, across from the from a corner, so he came to the back post, and a towering header from Sam Foley sent the ball beyond uh, Mahoney in goal into the uh, sorry into the goal, sorry to put them two and up, and another set piece that was poorly defended by Swindon. Uh, um, uh, in the 73rd minute, gave Barrow the three goal advantage. It was definitely a game, I believe, that going into Barrow were sort of almost destined to win. Um, this is not against any Swindon fans yesterday, but Barrow just looking such a great run of form. Pete Wilde is definitely the greatest manager in the EFL. And if he ever listens to this, please let me do an interview with you because I like you. Uh, but apart from that, honestly, Barrow yesterday, they were just absolutely unbelievable. And they're now, for me, they, they've put down a marker to tell the rest of the league to look out guys we are here we're not just here to make the numbers up we're here to try and get out this division um i mean i don't know what your take on it was um i, I just thought yesterday that barrow team they've they've definitely made the rest of the league to stand up and have a look at them now haven't they oh absolutely i think uh, a lot of people I, th- I think we even did it on the on the podcast was sort of saying that this it's sort of incredible run that barrow were on it's it's fantastic but, you know, we're sat there like everybody was when uh, Leicester were performing so well in the Premier League in the, their title-winning season. And we're just sat there going, oh, OK, when's it going to end? You know, th- this overachieving is great, but they can't really do it, can they? I think they can. They are, they have shown uh, with some of their performance recently. And yesterday was, you know, it was the cherry and the on top of the icing that was on top of the cake that they're able to turn teams over it now puts them into second place in the league. And do you know what? They're, they're one of the success stories of the season, and I really hope 
that they're going to be able to get a promotion. And to be honest, I'm struggling to see any teams out that are currently outside of the playoffs overtaking them by the end of the season. So a top seven, I think, is most more than like more likely than not now. Yeah, I mean, definitely, they, they definitely. So Pete Wilder, I think, has done an absolutely excellent job. The, the mm. team unity that 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 squad seems to have is just unbelievable. And you know, if every team was to have a manager like Pete Wilder, I think you know, football would be so much fun for for everyone. Um, but I've got to ask, uh, and I'm actually going to change this slightly to: Is Michael Flynn? Is he the man to turn this Swindon team from a sort of a mid-table outfit to playoff contenders, or, or do you think think Swindon may need to look elsewhere? Um, uh, look, it's that's it's a really tough one. Um, I I don't think that he is the man to take them forward. Now that is not me saying that he's doing a bad job. It really, really isn't. But I just don't see them kicking on in this division the same way they maybe could do if they were to have a new manager and, and a change in sort of system and philosophy. I'd like, like I said, I'm just struggling to really see what he's going to be able to bring to this Swindon side at the minute to change what has been a, a mediocre season so far. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm going to ask him about Barrow then. So Kian Spencer, he, I think he had an absolute phenomenal game yesterday. Um, how important has he become for Barrow and for Pete Wilde? Look, absolutely huge. And it's it's really difficult, actually, to pick out just a singular player in a Barrow side that, you know, we all have already spoken about the unity that they that they very much uh, sort of created and that kind of team bonding, bonding feel uh, at uh, Barrow at the minute. But he definitely does stand out. And that really says it all. He's played 20 matches this season, which for, you know, a, what is he, 20, 22, I believe. It's really, really impressive. And he's also managed to net or get eight goal contributions, right? Obviously, he got the goal yesterday as well. But he got that goal from his only shot on target. He's been, he's able to create chances. He got an assist the other week. And it just seems like he's such an integral cog to what is a team that are clearly on fire a little bit at the minute. And that's a real, really good thing to see. And I very much see him keeping his place in that Barrow side, even after the January transfer window is up. Yeah, I do as well. I think he, again, he, I think he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. I thought he was, uh, I think he picked up the um, uh, the man of the match performance, uh, the, the mm-hmm. Barrow's fans, man of the match performance. But yeah, I think he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. And uh Let's hope Jules might be in the market for him. I doubt that very much, but who knows? But after that 3-0 win for Barrow yesterday, that leaves Swindon in 12th and Barrow are flying high up in second place. On to our next game. This was Walsall versus Tranmere and Tranmere take the trip to the Bescott Stadium uh, where they will look to overcome, where they looked, sorry, to overcome Walsall. This fixture has seen very little gold mouth action recently with this exact game last season ending in a 1-0 win to the visitors. Walsall had played nine games at home this season, winning three, but losing just two. And Tranmere are awful on the road, failing to win any of their 10 away games. Uh, But they are unbeaten in their last two. And both teams came into this game on the back of brilliant wins. So after the 90 minutes was up, the final score was Walsall 1, Tranmere 0. It certainly was, Matt. And look, 
what a result this was for Walsall. We sat here on this very podcast recently asking whether Matt Sadler's job was secure. And I'll be honest, I very much said I'm a little bit unsure, but that's now back-to-back victories in the league. And they got past Alfreton in the FA Cup in midweek as well, even though obviously it did have to go to a replay. So on the whole, they're going to be rather happy with the status of their sort of side at the minute. But it very much was... Not an easy game yesterday. Tranmere had their chance, had their chances, sure, but Walsall were able to simply have the better chances, and that's just the way it went. As in the 64th minute, Jamil Matt got his first goal of the season for Walsall to t- open the scoring, make it one nil, and that's the way it stayed. Like I say, Tranmere did have some chances, but it simply wasn't enough. I mean. They don't believe they hit one XG, for example. It was 0.99 for Warsaw compared to Tranmere's 0.75. Shows that, like I say, they did have they did have good chances. They had 15 shots. Nine of them ended up on target. But it's just simply the fact that they the chances they were creating, they simply weren't high quality enough. And I think this is the issue with Tranmere away from home. Whatever, whatever it seems to be away from home, they just can't seem to be playing at that kind of high quality level enough it's that again it's just a sloppiness in front of goal they are creating chances but their decision making simply isn't good enough but I do think that's the sort of thing that Nigel Adkins soon enough will be able to turn around even if he's already had a good bit of time to do so already I would still have faith in it faith in him from a Tranmere Rovers fan perspective so then, Charlie, look, I mean, would you say Walsall were now, because I mean, this has been three wins in the week uh, for Walsall, do you think they've turned a corner under Matt Sadler now, or is there still something missing from this squad that needs to be addressed in January? Well, I just think it's because Freddie Draper's back from injury. They are. How simple cool. as that. Oh. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> look, as, as easy as uh, something like that would be to say, no, do I see this being a turning of the corner? No, I don't think it's going to be as simple as that. But I do just think it, it kind of stops the rot that they were sort of in with some of their really poor performances as well as results. And ha- being able to get back-to-back-to-back victories in all competitions this week, as you've very much alluded to there, it's going to be, it's going to be a huge sort of confidence boost for the team. It now just depends on whether or not they can kick on from this. If they go out and they lose their next game before Christmas, that, that needs to be able to not pull them back and not stop them they're just going to have to understand that you won't always be able to win every single game but don't let a loss ruin you and I think there's a good bit of confidence now in this Warsaw side that they're going to need to be able to carry over into this festive period and coming out the other side of it into what may be a bit of a busy January transfer window Yes, yeah, hopefully it will be a busy one and uh, you never know Freddie Draper might still be there uh... (laughs) I I actually Uh, think it's more likely than not now so well, look, I've got to ask, though, obviously, although, look, um, this was Nigel Atkins' first defeat since actually taking permanent charge, it has stretched Rovers' winless away run to 17 games now. So, where's that next elusive away win going to come from? Well, um, th- th- this is the thing, and I don't I don't even know what it is with Tranmere, the fact that for some reason away from home, they just can't seem to do anything. It's pretty, pretty crazy. But you look at some of their fixtures coming up, obviously, over on Boxing Day, 
they are away from home at Salford now. We've already spoken about the fact that Salford are a side that are clearly struggling a little bit, but because they've got Salford and Harrogate both back to back. Now, I think that them two are more likely than not an opportunity for Rovers to pick up their first away victory this season, purely because their next away game is then Barrow. And quite frankly, I don't see them going to Barrow and picking anything up with the way that Pete Wilde's side are currently playing. So I think if they can get in this busy festive period, a couple of away games up in the north in Salford and Harrogate, obviously not too far from them. I think it could be a really good opportunity to see them bag some goals and potentially get the three points. Who knows? Well, after that 1-0 win from Walsall yesterday, that leaves them in 15th and Tranmere are in 21st. On to our last game of the day. It's a bit of a long one today, uh, just me and Charlie, but we've made it through to the last game. This was Wrexham versus Colchester and Wrexham continued their lead to promotion bid when they welcomed Colchester United to the race course ground on Saturday. While the hosts were sitting in third place, the U's were languishing down in 22nd before kickoff and collected just 20 points from their 21 league games so far. And after the 90 minutes was up, the final score was Wrexham to Colchester United 1. And what a game I think it was. Uh, so, uh, Elliot Lee scored for the in the fourth minute from close range. Uh, but before the half was up, George Evans was shown a straight red card for a challenge on his midfield opponent, Arthur Reid. There was a Mitchell own goal, uh, which doubled the host lead. But uh, a spirited fight back uh, from Jay... Uh, Fevria, I believe it is, um, uh, got the uh, Colchester United one goal back and left a tense finish to the game. Uh, Charlie, the first thing I've got to ask you is, have you seen the sending off? I have, yes. What a stupid, <laughs> stupid boy. <laughs> right under the referee's nose, studs up. Why are you lunging in like that? I mean, you could have made your Wrexham team's life a lot harder there. <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of players would have been on their Christmas parties last night, uh, and I wouldn't be too surprised if he just decided that he wanted to go take an early shower. He was maybe off out on the pool and wanted to make sure that he was uh, nice and cleaned up, ready for it. Because <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of as to why on earth he did that. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a poor, poor challenge. Uh, and I said it was literally right under. I think the referee was about three yards away from it. Quite mm. literally, it was right under his nose. It was a straight red. Um, I mean, there was a bit of argy-bargy going on afterwards, but it, it was a poor challenge, and it was definitely deserved of the red card. Um, the um, uh, look, I mean, Colchester, I think, are, are going to be a little bit um, sort of frustrated with themselves that, you know, mm. you've had Wrexham play for basically, you know, 65 minutes with 10 men and um, still look like the stronger team there. But I've got to ask just in terms of the questions, because I I hadn't realised it was this high until I had to double check it. But could Wrexham's defence be the reason that they don't go up this year? Because they've conceded 32 goals already in the league. They have, and you know it isn't it isn't amazing, but it's still better than the likes of Notts County, for example. I don't think it's going to be something that holds them back too much, um, but I think actually, you know, on this one, for example, I think they were quite reason well reasonably strong defensively, in the fact that they only in the fact that they only conceded the one 
because I actually thought Colchester probably deserved something out of this game. Uh, so, you know, Wrexham could maybe be a sort of quite pleased with that. I do, I do think that it may become an issue, but nowhere near to the extent of something, some a team, for example, like Notts County. So I don't think Wrexham fans have anything to worry about too much. No, no, fair enough. It's just, it's always a question because I said, um, mm. yeah, for a team up, up the top of the league, thirty-two goals does seem like quite a high amount to be conceding. Uh, but I've got to ask. Then I'm just going to jump onto the culture to question because, again, as I do reading my socials. There seems to be a lot of animosity around Robbie Cowling at Colchester United. So, do you do you really believe it's all on his shoulders? The these issues going on at Colchester, or is there going to be something a little bit deeper rooted there? Look, I think there's no denying the sort of the hatred because that is effectively what it is towards the owner there. And you know, the book does very much stop with an owner, and you know, issues. There are trickle-down issues, if you like, even when you have a good enough squad or anything like that. For example, if you've got poor ownership, what you have to do is look at Manchester United. They're spending, you know, they're one of the country's biggest spenders, and yet they're still struggling under the Glazers. Although, and this is going to be the exact same point I make, for example, about Manchester United, and I will also make it about Colchester, the players and the management, uh, you know, when they're on a poor run, you can't just simply excuse that because of an owner. Obviously, in very extreme circumstances, let's say uh, a South End United, for example, a Scunthorpe, those sorts of things can very much be excused on the players. But I do think that Colchester are just a little bit sort of a little bit poor at certain times, and they will be quite disappointed with that. But as, as I kind of said when I was giving them praise for this game uh, earlier on for their game yesterday, you know. They were they were good and they had a good performance. They just couldn't seem to get the result. And I think this is the thing. They are they are close, but not quite there in quite a lot of their games this season. And I think it's something they're going to be quite disappointed with when they're looking back at you know however this season ends. But at the end of the day, I still do think they've got the quality to be able to be safe, but they're gonna to have to be picking up a few more points to go with these performances pretty soon. Yeah, they do. Otherwise, there could be a game like uh, Forest Green and uh, Sutton down the bottom could be uh, looking at getting a bit squeaky bum time close to the end of the season. But after that 2-1 win by Wrexham yesterday, that leaves them in third and Colchester are in 22nd. And if you've made it this far, we have now come to the very end of the show. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And always, always, we will see you next week. Goodbye. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.